the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation, a program providing help and information for our caregivers who are vital to the health and welfare of so many people in our community. You can hear Caregiver SOS On Air Sundays at 6 p.m. on 930 a.m. The Answer. And now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you very much, and welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air Carol Zerniel is on special assignment today, and we are delighted to welcome in as a pinch hitter Tina Smith, who is the manager of caregiver program operations for the Caregiver SOS program through the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Tina has a bachelor's degree in psychology, master's degree in social gerontology, and she's worked with seniors and caregivers for over 25 years, although she sure doesn't look that old, within the long-term care industry, the Bear Area Agency on Aging, the AAA, as it's known, in San Antonio, and served as an adjunct instructor with Kaplan University. Tina's been with the Caregiver SOS program for almost two years. Tina, nice to see you. Oh, well, thank you for having me. Well, it's a delight, and, and I know you've spent a lot of time uh, working all kinds of sides of the issue involving both care recipients and caregivers. Why did you choose that field? It's it's just a, a group of people, a group of a population that I fell in love working with. I started out in the long-term care industry. I worked in the activity department of a, a nursing home and really had a chance to get to know the residents and the family members that came to visit them. And it just struck a, a special place in my heart. And it set me off on my path of, of working with seniors and family members. And, and, and as you do that kind of work, uh, it's very re- rewarding to you, or you wouldn't be doing it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And and talking to people and and just hearing their stories is is very rewarding. Well, we're bringing on another special guest who has a lot of experience working as well in the caregiving field. Lakeland Hogan is joining us, and we're going to talk with her about her experiences in gerontology and as a caregiver advocate. Lakeland is a gerontologist and caregiving advocate for Home Instead Senior Care. We'll find out what that is. She works to educate professionals, families, and communities on issues of older adults and what they face. And she is a doctoral student at the University of Nebraska in Omaha. Hey, Lakeland, thanks for joining us. Hello, Ron. Hi, Tina. Thank you so much for having me on. I really look forward to our discussion, and it's always nice to be with a fellow gerontologist. So, Tina, I was excited to hear that you also have a, a, a background in gerontology. So, yes. always makes me excited. Yes, not a field you hear about too often in the, the common oh, conversation. No, in fact, as uh, our regular uh, co-host Carol Zerniel often says, if you want to stop conversation as a, at a cocktail party, when someone asks what you do, you say, well, I'm a gerontologist. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> conversation over, right? Yes, or they start telling you their whole life story of their caregiving experience, so it can really go one of two ways. <laughs> Why did you choose that field? Same question I had put to uh, Tina. You know, I um, really just came to develop a passion for older adults, similar to uh, Tina had shared. I mean, I was very fortunate to grow up with all my grandparents, um, three of which are still alive today, and have really just fallen in love with the gerontology classwork, and then was able to carry that over into my career, um, starting in one of our Homestead Senior Care franchise offices. And I had the experience of working one-on-one with families and uh, older adults that needed assistance at home and really uh, just fell in love with being able to help people uh, in a time when they're somewhat vulnerable or uh, nervous or confused or don't really know where to turn, uh, and being a resource to them was just so rewarding. So um, I've really enjoyed continuing on that path and decided to pursue gerontology um, at a higher level of education, and, you know, it's really opened up so many avenues for me to be that advocate that caregivers can look to for support or resources or education. Uh, so that's really kind of how I got to where I am today. How many uh, hours are left in your uh, doctoral program? 
Well, I will be embarking in my last semester of coursework before my dissertation begins. So uh, just a few more classes before I start in on um, narrowing down my topic and carrying out that that important dissertation work. So well, here's it's an exciting a, time. The topic might be what a great conversation I had with Tina and Ron. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, thank we'll you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew you'd agree with that. So tell me a little bit about Home Instead uh, and how you got involved with that, as well as an issue that we had talked about off the air, and that's the question of caregivers, usually women in the workplace, and how they juggle that time and the pressure that's involved. Well, yeah, I'd love to share. Um, Home Instead Senior Care really came about um, our founders, who happened to be my parents, actually. That's another reason I got into this caring business is I've really grown up with it around the kitchen table. Uh, Home Instead started because my great-grandma was needing some help at home, and really she had a lot of family around to help support her. She was living in an apartment by herself. Uh, they moved her in with the family um, because they started to notice she was failing, but everyone rallied around. We created a care schedule to just help her with simple things, making sure that she got her medications every day, making sure she was eating, getting a little bit of exercise. And when the doctor originally said, you know, we think she might only have a year left to live, she ended up living for 10 more years just shy of her 101st birthday. Um, And so uh, my parents started to notice, wow, these little things that we can help grandma with, um, you know, meals, medications, socialization, exercise, those are really making a huge difference. You don't have to be a nurse to impact an older adult um, in that way. And so they took that concept and turned it into Home Instead Senior Care. I started in my grandma's living room recruiting caregivers to care for people in the Omaha, Nebraska community where we were founded. And then it's really grown from there uh, to be an organization in 12 countries serving seniors in about 1,100 franchise offices worldwide. And we're still helping with those uh, tasks, you know, meal preparation, medication management, light housekeeping, socialization, but we've also expanded to include more of those hands-on services, you know, bathing, grooming, restroom assistance, and also Alzheimer's and dementia care. So uh, that's kind of a little bit about Home Instead and how we came to be. And uh, I never thought I would join the family business um, at the point I did, but an opportunity opened up, and I'm so grateful well, where do you uh, to find, be a part of this. Where do you find the staff? Because I know many people are in the home health care business have a very difficult time finding talented, qualified staff who are not making a lot of money but are dedicated to helping others. You know, and we realize that our caregivers are really uh, so important to our business because they are the ones that are providing that hands-on care. So we are always recruiting, looking for those people who have the heart to serve older adults. Um, and we're actually a home care company. Home health is um, a little bit different. We partner really well with home health. Um, but we, you know, have some of the same challenges finding those qualified uh care workers, but our individual uh, franchise owners, they are very well connected in their local communities. So they all have their ways of uh, recruiting their staff locally. Um, for some, they rely heavily on online recruitment. Um, some are hosting, you know, a career um, kind of um, events. They're attending um, employment events, pardon me, right. uh, careers of events and and so there's a variety of ways that we recruit for our caregivers and our staff but uh, we do send them through you know that very thorough background checking because we know um, that whoever we place into the home we want them to be uh, well trained um, and again have that heart to really serve the senior and provide for their needs yeah this is such an important service i've heard of home instead for for many many years and in talking to caregivers i mean they're just so often family caregivers are so often overwhelmed and they just don't know which direction to turn and just getting that extra help from an agency like yours can can make the world of difference. Now, people who use your service, is it covered by insurance or is it out of pocket? You know, at this point, uh, home care is primarily uh, paid out of pocket or what we call private pay. Uh, but there are some long-term care insurance policies that are um, covering home care. They're starting to see the value and the benefit. Um, and, of course, there are uh, some VA benefits that will cover our services um, in some rare cases um, some Medicaid waiver type of, of payment options, but really it primarily is private pay. Um, but, you know, that could change in the future. Um, you know, there's lots of um, 
possibilities, sure. you know, down the road, hopefully for, you know, a Medicare to cover it. But at this point, you're right, it is primarily paid privately or out of pocket. Now, I want to talk in a moment about folks in the workplace and the challenges for caregivers. But first, for those of you who may join us, I want you to know you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. Tina Smith sitting in for Carol Zerniel today. And on our Caregiver SOS on air hotline, we're talking with Lakeland Hogan about her work as a gerontologist and as an advocate for caregivers. Uh, there's no question that uh, people who become caregivers, although the numbers of men is growing, it, it still historically has been women. And for the woman in the workplace, there comes a time where there's a huge challenge between taking off to do the various things you have to do for your care recipient, very often your mom or your dad, or your aunt or your uncle, uh, and maintaining that job. What advice do you have? Oh, well, we certainly see this as a challenge, and it's one that businesses are really kind of waking up to. Um, They're realizing that their employees are having to take time away from work, just as you mentioned, to take a loved one to a doctor's appointment, or maybe they're cutting back to part-time, or some are even leaving employment altogether to take on that full-time care role. Um, So it's it's important for employers and employees to realize that – for an employer, there might be employees who are also caregivers. And then for employees to realize um, that uh, being able to talk about their caregiving experience in the workplace, uh, it shouldn't be as stigmatized. So we definitely have a, a variety of resources and tips. We actually created an entire website dedicated to this topic. It's free resources for both the employee and employee employer. It's called daughtersintheworkplace.com, or that's the name of the website. Uh, But on there, there's all sorts of tips and advice on uh, how to bring up the conversation with your employer that you are caring for a loved one. We we find that so many people uh, feel kind of a stigma around talking to their employer about care for an elderly uh, loved one or parent. You know, um, it's so common these days for women to talk about their child care. So uh, whereas women over the last, you know, 10, 20 years have been um, taking time off to raise children or employers have been making accommodations for mothers, um, maternity leave and so forth, that was a hot topic for so many years. Women feel comfortable now talking about those types of issues in the workplace, but there's still that stigma attached to caring for older, um, older loved ones and talking about the challenges that come along with that. So that website is really a great tool and resource for family caregivers that are also employees. Now, I'm assuming, although it's daughters, that it would be applicable for men as well who are caregivers. <laughs> Most certainly, most certainly. We do find that about two-thirds of um, employed family caregivers are women. So that's why we, you know, kind of targeted them specifically in this uh, PR campaign. But it certainly does apply to males as well. And we do find that males are stepping up in the caregiving role. Um, But, you know, most commonly it it is the, the female and the oldest adult daughter. And in my family, that would that's going to be me. I already know what I'm the oldest. I'm, huh. I'm the you know, oldest daughter in our family. So that is usually who it falls on to. Now, hold that uh, thought. Hold that thought. We're going to come right back to you. We're talking with Lakeland Hogan on our Caregiver SOS on Air Hotline, a gerontologist and a caregiver advocate. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zerniel on special assignment today, and Tina Smith is sitting in for her. You hear us at 930 AM, The Answer, Caregiver SOS on Air. You ever wonder what you can learn from listening to WellMed Radio? Hi, I'm Ron Aaron. Our co-host, Cora Juke, is here, nurse practitioner. What can folks learn from WellMed Radio? You know, we talk about a lot of things such as chronic disease management, how to manage your diabetes, your blood pressure, but we also talk about social issues such as what WellMed offers and what you can do to improve your health and improve your life. And it's something that... uh, you're newer to WellMed Radio, and I get a kick out of working with you. What is it you like about doing radio? Well, I like to make sure that my patients are educated, that they know how to take care of themselves, because I only get a brief moment in time to take care of them in the office, and I want to partner with them and make sure they have everything they need at home. Nurse practitioner Cora Juke, I'm Ron Aaron. You can catch WellMed Radio Sundays at 5 p.m. exclusively on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Be there.
And remember, when you listen to WellMed Radio, don't change that dial. We follow WellMed Radio on 9.30 a.m. The Answer, Sundays at 6 p.m. You get a full two hours of great radio dealing with senior issues, caregiving issues, and a whole lot more. I'm Ron Aaron. Tina Smith filling in today for Carol Zerniel, who is on special assignment. And we're talking on the Caregiver SOS on-air hotline with Lakeland Hogan, who is discussing her experience in gerontology and as a caregiving advocate as well. And we were talking about daughters and a few men in the workplace who are also caregivers. Uh, how receptive, and, and I thought that was good advice, uh, Lakeland, in terms of don't keep it a secret, don't try to make up excuses when you have to be out of the office. Uh, be upfront with your employer. They're going to find out anyhow and see if they can be understanding and sensitive and supportive of the work you're doing. Uh, and if it turns out they're not, better to know up front than later. Yes, most certainly. I think the more you can be honest with your employer about the situation, hopefully the more willing they will be to help work with you um, to find a solution that's best for both. Many employers these days are uh, more open to a flex schedule or uh, have an opportunity for employees to work from home maybe one or two days of the week or work uh, kind of in the off hours in the evening if they have to take off the morning to care for their loved ones. So uh, if, if the employer is open to the conversation, um, that is a great opportunity to talk with them um, about about the situation. And, and more employee, employers um, are starting to offer some um, resources for those family caregivers. So again, it is uh, a lot of buzz. We attend some HR-related shows uh, or conferences uh, on behalf of Home Instead, and it is a topic that really is kind of surfacing uh, many employers are dealing with. Yeah, I wonder if it's surfacing. I've read several articles lately about um, a population that's moving into the caregiving role, the millennials. We're hearing more about millennials mm-hmm. being caregivers, and uh, I read something recently. There's With the millennials, there's a lot more men entering the caregiving yeah. role. So, I mean, what, do you, what are your thoughts about that, or what have you run across in, in regards to that? You know, you're absolutely right. More millennials are starting to take on care, and it might not necessarily be of an elderly loved one. It could very, it could very well be, but it could be a parent with cancer or um, a loved one who has uh, complications from diabetes. Those types of things. So, uh, well, but what's interesting is a lot of times people don't identify as a caregiver. That might be a topic that you guys have broached at one point or another, but. Um, when people don't self-identify as a caregiver, it creates some issues because they're cutting themselves off from some available resources oh, out absolutely. there. Absolutely. You know, it's yeah, interesting. So- in this area, a uh, large number of Hispanics, and there is no word caregiver uh, in, in the language. Oh, how interesting. I haven't, I haven't read up on, on that population very specifically, but that is interesting to know. Well, and when we as Home Instead go into our other markets, um, we uh, sometimes have to help our partners in other countries develop a word for caregiver or try to figure out how to communicate that. So um, I could see how culturally that could also uh, create a barrier to, you know, identifying as a caregiver. Well, how do you get them to identify? You say, uh, and we've run into that, and we have talked about it here on Caregiver SOS on air, about how folks really don't self-identify as caregivers, even if they've been a caregiver for years. Uh, They see themselves as uh, just doing what they ought to be doing. Almost oh, certainly. They feel a sense of kind of family obligation or they're doing it out of love. They feel like it's coming so naturally for them to take on those extra responsibilities uh, on behalf of caring for their loved one. But you asked how, how can we help them self-identify? And it's really hard to give, you know, one specific answer. And I, but I think really what it comes down to is, is education and for people who are caregivers who do identify to share their stories and their situations. Because so often um, I hear from caregivers that when they start to share their stories and open up about their caregiving situation, others will start to open up. I just was having a conversation where um, it's actually a millennial. Her mom um, is a caregiver, a loved one is a caregiver, and has a walking partner. Every morning they walk together, and both of them are caring for an aging loved one, but until one of them opened up about it, um, 
they didn't, uh, it got the other one sharing. Um, so they really didn't know that they had that common interest or that common role uh, until one of them had the courage to talk about it. So I think that really as a society, we need to educate on what it is to be a caregiver and start to share our caregiving stories so that others feel comfortable, um, you know, self-identifying and sharing their story as well. Now I want to come back to something you said a little earlier, talking about the workplace and what I thought I heard you say, Lakeland, is that there are some employers now who are providing some resources for employees who are caregivers. What are they doing? Yes, I, I did mention that. Well, and at Home Institute Senior Care, we actually created a offering for um, employers. It's called Help for Working Caregivers, and it is a, a website that uh, employers can offer kind of as a benefit, similar to an EAP program. Um, and so that's one option that we see organizations um, utilizing, again, to support their caregivers. And they're offering, it's kind of an online portal that they can access 24-7. But I've talked to other organizations that are doing support groups for, um, you know, different disease states, maybe it's an Alzheimer's support group or a general caregiving support group or a support group for um, loved ones with disabilities. So they're creating support groups, whether they meet in person or, you know, uh, digitally through uh, kind of a webinar setting or a call-in phone line. Those are some types of resources that they're starting to offer. Are you finding that employers are receptive to this? You know, because it may be that they've got caregivers, their employees are caregivers, but they have no idea where to go or they don't self-identify, so they don't even know where to ask for help. Are you, are you approaching businesses about, about this, this venture? Yes. So, we find that that businesses are, are they, their ears kind of perk up when we talk about this because um, as we've been talking about it, it's hard for the employer to you know step up and talk to uh, their em- sorry employee to talk to their employer. Those two words are getting me tripped up today. I apologize. Um, sometimes it's that stigma is still attached, but if there is kind of a more of an anonymous way for them to access support and resources at their fingertips, um, you know that they can search for a specific topic, uh, employees are finding the resources that they need. Um, So they are open and receptive, and they're starting to see the benefits of offering um, some sort of online support to their employees. You know, one of the challenges that uh, those who live, work, and talk in this field are aware of is how many caregivers are so reluctant to ask for help. And Mm -hmm. that has to be something that uh, you're able to counsel caregivers on. Most certainly. Well, and I think that sometimes caregivers, um, they a lot of them have specific issues, and maybe it's like bathing or a recent diagnosis of Alzheimer's or dementia or maybe medication management's the one thing they're struggling with. And what I think is so neat about uh, our Help for Working Caregivers uh, offering is that we have kind of an Ask the Experts panel where they can send an email in and get their answers uh, turned around to them right away. Uh, but I think Beyond uh, just our Help for Working Caregivers platform, employers are starting to also offer um, kind of geriatric counseling as a benefit to their employees so that they can get more kind of one-on-one uh, counseling and assistance. But, um, yeah, it is, it is a challenge to help them, one, self-identify, and two, um, get them to ask for help. You're so right. That is a huge challenge. We, as I think Americans, are, you know, uh, we want to be self-sufficient and handle everything on our own. But I think when we come together and help one another and support one another, oh, it's much better for everyone involved. No, that's huge. You're absolutely right. And if the employers were on board, then, you know, it's it becomes more of a conversation and more of part of the culture of the uh, of the place of business, which um, can be can be tremendous. Just just knowing, I know for a lot of caregivers that we talk to, just knowing that there's help out there, knowing that there's somebody that will listen, where they can find information, that alone is is worth its weight in gold. So if the employers perfect. were on board, I mean that would be perfect. And, and as you yeah. t- take a look at how this is, uh, uh, as we are an aging country, uh, it's becoming more and more uh, a challenge to families. Uh, to to be a caregiver, to find a caregiver. Uh, At some point, all of us are either going to be caregivers or care recipients, and probably both. Where do the new caregivers come from as we run out of them? You know, that is 
that is a challenge that we're all going to be faced with. It's not just specific to, you know, Home Instead, the whole industry, everything from, you know, those um, community-based organizations to the senior living facilities. We're all going to be kind of vying for uh, employees. But, you know, we think that there's a lot of potential in the younger generation. Um, We actually uh, just started a social movement, which we hope, Uh, to target at millennials. It's called Ready to Care. So we're hoping to just inspire care in younger people um, so that they can start to learn about, okay, what is it to care, uh, not only for older adults, but just people in your communities? Because as you mentioned, you know, we're an aging society and everyone is going to be affected. So our communities are really going to have to become um, sensitive to the issue, educated on the issue. So this Ready to Care movement um, gives people who sign up um, an opportunity to do one little care mission each week. And it might be reaching out to a senior in their community or uh, learning about Alzheimer's and dementia through a little educational uh, tutorial, those types of things. So we're just trying to inspire the younger generation. I'm probably one of the biggest gerontology uh, advocates. I've always speaking to the younger high school groups about considering a minor in gerontology or at least one course just to learn about the aging population. And hopefully it will inspire more people to enter the caregiving field in one aspect or another, whether it's becoming physicians or um, joining a technology company that serves seniors. There's going to be lots of ways uh, for people to touch the lives of older adults as our, or as our world truly becomes continues to age. I love that. Now stick with us just a minute. I want to talk about the Dream Weaver Foundation, and we'll get an update on that in just a moment. I'm Ron Aaron. Tina Smith filling in today for Carol Zerniel, who is on special assignment. Our special guest is Lakeland Hogan, a gerontologist and a caregiver advocate. Homeinstead.com is her website. I'm Ron Aaron at 930 AM, The Answer. We are rocking right along on Caregiver SOS on air today. I'm Ron Aaron. Tina Smith filling in for Carol Zerniel. And on the Caregiver SOS on air hotline, we're talking with Lakeland Hogan, who is a caregiver advocate and a gerontologist. Uh, Lakeland, in your uh, background, it says that you're on the board of directors for the Dream Weaver Foundation. What is it? The Dreamweaver Foundation is uh, such a, a mission that I hold dearly to my heart because we grant the wishes of, uh, of um, older adults towards the end of their life. So the Dreamweaver Foundation was started in Omaha, Nebraska, um, and I have the pleasure of being on their board of directors. And um, what drew, drew me to their mission is that they want to make sure that um, people who aren't able to fulfill their lifelong dreams have the opportunity to do so through, uh, through our organization. So kind of how it works is that people can nominate an older adult, and we, um, we do have some criteria. They have to be over 55 years of age, um, and there is an income restraint, again, looking for those that maybe can't monetarily fulfill their dream otherwise. Uh, but it's a simple application, and then we um, review those applications and, and carry out some of the dreams. And if you'd like, I'd love to tell you just about a couple of some of my favorite dreams that we've been able to fulfill. Well, you've read my um, mind. You're, you're like, <laughs> make a wish for older people. Yes, that's, that is kind of what we model ourselves on. Cool. Um, yeah, and, and so some of my favorite dreams have been as simple as I helped out a couple weekends ago uh, with a family reunion. Uh, a woman, you know, has a terminal diagnosis, really just wants to get her family together one more time, kind of a family reunion of sorts. And so we set that up. We had a, a photographer come and do family photos. Oh, it was just so beautiful. She was smiling from ear to ear. The family was worried she wouldn't have the stamina to stay the whole time, but she uh, she did, and it was just a beautiful thing to see family come together. But we've also had dreams of uh, people wanting to, um, you know, make it to New York City to see a Broadway play. They've always wanted to do that, so we can help make that happen. Hey, can you or get us? Uh, can you get us tickets oh. to Hamilton? Uh, well, I'm not sure about that. Maybe, <laughs> maybe if we had the contact of the right person, we could convince them. Um, but we could, we would certainly do our best. That's we we very rarely like to say no to a dream. Um, so, yeah, these dreams are, are 
so fun to fulfill. And um, we found, we did kind of a study, and we found that not only are these dreams enhancing the lives of the older adult themselves, but it's truly having a, a palliative kind of effect. Um, and we are able to kind of give them some hope, um, some inspiration as they're facing uh, what can be some for some people, a very scary, um, uncertain time, but it also has a profound impact on the family. We're helping them create memories that they will remember for the rest of their lives long after their older adult loved one passes. So um, you might be able to tell I could talk about this for hours and hours, but it's just such a joy to be part of this organization and helping to fulfill um, a mission that lines so closely with Home Instead Senior Care's mission um, of enhancing the lives of aging adults. So we're now, truly able to do that through Dreamweaver. This is not just people living in uh, Omaha, Nebraska, right? Correct. So we started in Omaha, and our hope is to take this program nationwide. We do have uh, a sister or uh, kind of affiliate uh, on the West Coast, and we're starting here out of our Omaha location to serve people kind of across the Midwest. So we would encourage anyone to go to our website, dreamweaver.org, to nominate someone that they feel would be deserving of a dream. Uh, but yes, we're looking to really expand and grow this program. We're five years old, uh, but our board of directors has big, big dreams and visions for the Dreamweaver Foundation. And are you looking for donations as well? We are. We're always looking for donations. We're actually uh, currently a part of a um, cam- uh, kind of a crowdfunding campaign called Give 65. Uh, so if you go to our dreamweaver.org uh, website and you can follow our Facebook page as well, uh, you'll find um, our organization through this Give 65 campaign. And there is some matching funds. So if you are moved to uh, make a donation to Dreamweaver, it would be doubled uh, through this event. And the event, again, is called Give65 at give65.org. And is 65 the number you're looking for as a uh, sample donation? Well, actually, Give65 is an event. Um, it's a crowdfunding event specific to uh, organizations that serve older adults. So the Give 65 is for giving for organizations who serve people 65 plus, okay. if that makes sense. So, sure. yeah, it's it's a neat, uh, neat way for uh, organizations that serve just seniors to get uh, some extra love and attention. We know that so often um, those types of organizations are underfunded. So this is a uh, an overall campaign to really bring awareness to that that group of organizations that are doing a lot of good. Now, if you just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron. Tina Smith filling in for Carol Zerniel today, and we're talking with Lakeland Hogan on our Caregiver SOS on air hotline. Uh, Lakeland has an MA, an MBA, a gerontologist, caregiver advocate, and uh, nearly done a, a, all but her dissertation uh, with her work on her doctorate. And uh, we certainly wish you well with that. Uh, what is your dissertation going to be on? Do you know? Well, I'm still sorting it out. Um, but we were just talking about, you know, how it's going to be harder to find qualified caregivers. So I don't want to give it all away, but that's going to be uh, somewhat the focus of my dissertation, diving into uh, kind of the gathering information on, you know, of our current caregiver base, what motivates them, what gets them excited about caregiving, and in hopes to inspire more people to join us in the caregiving field. Yeah, that would be wonderful because it's so needed, this industry, is is to have those caring, dedicated people. So that would be fantastic if uh, you could focus on that. Now, as you think about uh, the years and decades ahead, uh, where do you see your organization going, homeinstead.com, and the other work you're doing? Well, I think that there's certainly going to be an even greater need. Um, I mean, the statistics are that, you know, those baby boomers, they're all crossing that 65-year age threshold, uh, and the need for care is going to continue to grow and grow. So for Home Instead Senior Care as an organization, uh, we know that, you know, there is probably going to be some sort of a labor shortage. So uh, 
we're trying to find ways maybe to integrate technology into the care situation. We don't know exactly what that will look like yet, but we are we have a whole team dedicated to finding out, you know, what's that balance between high tech and high touch. Because I know that some people are okay with being cared for by robots, uh, but not everyone has that comfort level. So we want hopefully to be that organization that can find that delicate balance and care for even more people as the need continues to grow. I think the more and more robots look like people and dress like people and have hair and facial expressions like people, folks will be more comfortable with them. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, technology is so well integrated into every aspect of our lives these days. And so I have no doubt that uh, more and more people would be okay with with that kind of care. So you never know. Maybe you'll see a Home Instead senior care robot one day. Could be years and years from now. Well, as long as they don't look like R2-D2. Yeah. Or from the Jetsons. Which people might from the like Jetsons. That. Yeah, or a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> I um, I was reading recently, just speaking of technology, that um, those devices, Alexa and the the um, Google and all of that, those they're helping combat isolation and loneliness in seniors because they can the seniors can in a sense have a voice to talk to and and to hear things from. I thought that was an interesting direction as well. Well, we use a uh, Google Home Advisor, and uh, it's always listening. So occasionally, if in a conversation you end up talking about, you know, hey, Google says, my little device will say, I didn't get that. (laughs) What would you like me to do? (laughs) I've experienced that same thing in my house. So, yes, I think that that technology can, can, especially in that social isolation um, issue, be so... um, or help, help find ways to combat that isolation because I, I know that even internally we've been talking about isolation quite a bit lately. And, uh, and it's not only older adults. With, with social media, technology is kind of that double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the younger generations are becoming a little more isolated because they're, you know, they're socially communicating through you know, social media, but that, that uh, in-person, one-on-one interactions are, are less than other generations. Well, so for, I uh... think... I would say for older people, uh, WellMed Charitable Foundation has addressed that, and Tina can talk about the senior centers that WellMed has pioneered. Oh, definitely. We have uh, a number here in Texas as well as in Florida, and the whole idea is the whole wellness aspect of, of aging, and it's an opportunity where seniors can go for 60 and over. It's free of charge. Uh, you can go get... Uh, socialization, there's exercise classes, there's exercise equipment, uh, they have art, and there's just a wide variety of different classes and a chance for seniors to come together, and they can interact with as many people as they want or as, as few people as they want, but at least they're out and they are uh, just firmly believe in the importance of interaction and exercise and healthy living. And how early in the morning do people line up to get in? Oh, I think the doors open about 7.30, but they're usually about there about 30 minutes before. Just every single senior center seems to have a line waiting Which to is get interesting. In. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> now, in, in the few minutes we have remaining, uh, Lakeland, uh, give us uh, some of the uh, new whiz-bang things you've discovered in caregiving that might be adaptable to folks who are listening. Well, I feel like that's hard to just kind of cram into just a few minutes. But I think as far as uh, as the support and resources go, when I'm talking with caregivers, I always stress how important it is to find some sort of support network or um, whether it's an online community. We find that our Facebook group, we have one uh, specific to Alzheimer's and dementia, Remember for Alzheimer's Family. Um, is, is the Facebook page. Uh, but even just as simple as getting connected to a group via social media, uh, finding that support, finding others that are going through um, similar situations you're going through can be so powerful uh, and so helpful um, in terms of, of um, being able to carry on. We find so often that caregivers get burnt out, and I'm sure that's a topic you probably cover quite a bit uh, in this radio show, but sure. uh, that 
burnout um, can really be detrimental to the health of, of the caregiver and, and to the care recipient. Um, so just, I don't think it's anything really new or shiny, but that respite, getting time away from the caregiving situation so that the, the caregiver can recharge is just so, so important. Uh, and again, just tapping into the resources uh, in your community, whether it's through these WellMed senior centers or um, your local area agencies on aging, uh, your local um, associations, maybe if your loved one has a specific disease state that you can get connected with people, again, that are having some shared experiences can really go a long way in, in helping caregivers, uh, you know, keep up their, their stamina and provide the best care possible to their loved one. Well, I thank you very much. What would be the best way to get a hold of you, Lakeland, for folks who want to communicate? Well, you can certainly always send me an email. Um, it's kind of a long one. My name is, or my email is Lakeland Hogan at homeinsteadinc.com. But you can always uh, visit our website, homeinstead.com. There's an inquiry form, so you can always fill it out and mention my name, and they'll make sure it gets to me. But again, my email, feel free to reach out, is Lakeland Hogan at homeinsteadinc.com. Your first name is interesting. You don't run into a lot of people named. Lakeland, your folks were living by a lake when they named you? You know, what's funny is they did not live by a lake then, but they do now. So it's always been a kind of a lifelong dream of theirs. So that might have been influential when they named me, but they kind of just made it up. My mom's middle name is Lynn, so kind of put those two together. And I used to hate it as a child. It was complicated. No one knew how to say it or pronounce it. But now I I really do enjoy my name. It's unique and special and um you don't, you're right, you don't come across too many Lakelands. Well, it's a pretty name, and thank you for coming thank on. You. We really appreciate your time. Well, thanks, Ron and Tina. Great talking with you both. You Have take a great care. day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Lakeland Hogan, and uh, feel free to contact her, and well, we encourage you to do that. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Tina Smith. Up next, take 10. I'm not sure who with. We may have a surprise for you. You ever wonder what you can learn from listening to WellMed Radio? Hi, I'm Ron Aaron. Our co-host, Cora Juke, is here, nurse practitioner. What can folks learn from WellMed Radio? You know, we talk about a lot of things such as chronic disease management, how to manage your diabetes, your blood pressure, but we also talk about social issues such as what WellMed offers and what you can do to improve your health and improve your life. And it's something that uh, you're newer to WellMed Radio, and I get a kick out of working with you. What is it you like about doing radio? Well, I like to make sure that my patients are educated, that they know how to take care of themselves, because I only get a brief moment in time to take care of them in the office, and I want to partner with them and make sure they have everything they need at home. Nurse practitioner Cora Juke, I'm Ron Aaron. You can catch WellMed Radio Sundays at 5 p.m. exclusively on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Be there. Thank you very much for sticking with us here on Caregiver SOS On Air. Every one of our shows is followed by Take 10, where we talk with an expert in the field, normally Dr. Jamie Heisman, who is off today on special assignment. And we are delighted to have Rundy Purdy join us, along with our co-host, Tina Smith, who is filling in for Carol Zernia. Lots of filling in here uh, during the July 4th holiday. Uh, Rundy, thanks so much for coming on. I'm glad to be here. And uh, Tina... I uh, was at the Caregiver Summit when you spoke a few years ago and was very impressed and is delighted uh, to be here to talk with you now. I enjoyed hearing your story about how uh, you came to care for your grandfather and just all the, the great stories. And I know that the caregivers we talked to afterwards really appreciated hearing your story because sometimes as a caregiver it could be pretty isolating, so it's always good to hear somebody who's who's going through the same thing. Now fill us in, sure. fill us in on uh, Randy Purdy's life. Uh, since we last talked. Okay, since you last talked, I think I did a couple more speaking events. Uh, this April, I spoke at a area agency, the aging conference with the health caregivers in a kind of local area to where I am. Um, last fall, I also started working for an assisted living facility called The Hearth. They have locations like four states. I work at one lo- local to where I live, and I help on dementia wing, caring for people who are struggling with the disease of dementia, making sure they can stay in a home-like environment for as long as possible. And what is that like for you? Because uh, you had that challenge when you first started caregiving for your grandfather. 
Uh, well, it brings back an awful lot of memories. I see a lot of family members to those who are living there. They come in, they spend time with their family, their loved one, and then they have questions and concerns and sometimes a lot of anguish over what their uh, dementia-struggling loved one is, is facing. And so I, I kind of help talk them through some of the things they're facing, kind of assure them that, you know, they're not alone. And occasionally if someone seems like it helps them, I give them a copy of my book and say, hey, this might, might help you in, in your journey. So you see a lot of people in a lot of different places in their journey, and it kind of reminds you well, why you're helping and why you're caring for people. What are the differences you see? You kept your grandfather at home for a long period of time. Uh, for those in an assisted living facility uh, with dementia, what's that like? Uh, well, at our location, we try as much as possible to keep it like uh, at home setting. So they have their own bedroom and like a sitting area. They have their TV, their bed, a bathroom. Um, and so we have activities going on like sing-alongs and movie nights. So we try to keep it as much as a interactive home-like environment as possible. Um, I'd say the big way in which you might say different is we have to serve dinner, lunch, and breakfast when the kitchen fixes it. So everybody has to be brought in for uh, fixed dinner times. But we try as much as possible to make it a home-like setting. And usually after people have transitioned and really got accustomed to it, um, some of them forget that it isn't home. I've had an old lady come out at like 10 o'clock at night and say, why are all these weights on? I can't afford to pay the electric bill for my house. It's this big. <laughs> so it, it, it generally we manage to make it enough home-like that people don't realize after a while that they're not home. I bet with your personal experience just uh, caring for your grandfather, you can be just a fantastic resource for the family members that are coming in, especially the ones that are just you know, placing their loved one in the facility for the first time. How do you help with that transition? Because it's so hard for so many people to have to take that step, but sometimes it's just a very necessary step to take. Absolutely. I'd say the first number one thing I try to do is listen to them because it's a really hard transition. Most people don't want to move mom or dad out of the home they've lived in for how many years into a new place. And they're doing it because they recognize that something is not working at home. But they're still usually very conflicted and have lots of feelings of guilt and insecurity. So just listening to them work through it, but then assuring them that everything will be all right and explaining to them how the things their loved one is struggling with is, is very natural. It's like you're not alone. Everybody comes in here, struggles with these same things, and it will all work out. Because the transition time is usually a little rough, and it takes a lot of support to get both the person moving in and their family through it. What are the so issues? What, what are the issues that... Uh, the similar issues families struggle with? Um, oh, there's a lot. Let me think. Well, I guess probably primary concern is, is mom going to be all right? Usually because the loved one is seeing them very agitated and they wonder if, you know, are they going to be like this forever? And it's like, no, they will settle down. We have a policy at this facility that we advise them, the family members, not to come in and see their loved one for two weeks after admission. But they say for the first few days, you keep coming back in. They think you'll be moving them out, and you just kind of keep them stirred up. So the big kind of thing is, yes, mom will be taken care of. We'll make sure she gets something to eat. We'll make sure she has clean clothes. We'll make sure she gets a shower. You know, all the kind of daily things that they recognize their loved one was not getting at home. So they bring them in and say, oh, I'm worried. Does mom get enough to eat? She wasn't eating at home. And she say, yes. We make sure they get enough to eat and provide them with three meals a day and snacks in between every meal. And the old mom wasn't washing herself enough. I would say, yes, we have a set schedule for showers. We make sure they get the showers. So it's kind of like those daily living things where they recognize their loved one wasn't getting them where they are living before, and they're just anxious about, is this going to be okay? And it's like, yes, we will make sure things are okay here. And you run into the similar issues, uh, as you mentioned, that you saw caring for your grandfather. Are there some that have surprised you that – Knock wood, you didn't have to deal with? Huh. Oh, okay, I guess I want to say the one thing that I've had to deal with a lot here that I didn't have to deal with was uh, attempted elopement. Um, but that didn't surprise me. That's kind of like when you come to a secure dementia wing in a facility where they can't get out without somebody knowing about it, you expect a lot of, um, a lot of that. So I didn't deal with that in my caregiving experience because um, – home was the place where my grandfather wanted to stay. So I dealt with a lot of that here, making sure people don't walk out of the building. Um, I would say the hardest thing that I've had to deal with, um, which I didn't have to deal with, was, of course, the transition out of this care. I was able to care for my grandfather from beginning to end. But here at the assisted living, we can care for them up until a certain point. But if they're no longer able to ambulate by themselves, if they're no longer able to feed themselves, 
that's a level of care that this facility is not licensed to provide. So we have to let them go on to, at that point, a skilled nursing home. And so that's tough because you get to know them, you get to love them, you want to provide the best care they can have, but having to say goodbye, that's tough. And that's probably one of the hardest things, I think. Now, if you've just joined us, if you just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air on 930 AM, The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host today, Tina Smith, who is filling in for Carol Zernial. Rundy Purdy is with us on Take 10, and we are so delighted to have him here with us. Uh, since you wrote uh, The Sea is Wide, the story of caring for your grandfather, uh, what else have you been writing? Um. I've been writing a lot of essays that go on my website, caregivingreality.com. I have a, a good collection there, which I think, as it keeps growing, it provides a large base of support for caregivers who need stuff beyond what I've written in my past caregiving book. But also, as time permits, I am working on another book about my time caring for my grandmother. Um, I don't have a lot of time for that. I've recently had a son born in March, so my free time has drastically shrunk. But as I have time, I have a few spare minutes, I go through my old journal entries, my old notes, and I start trying to collect them into one big file where I can start making an actual um, book. So tell us about Rundy Purdy Jr. Uh, born on March 8th. He's a big little boy. He's going on four months old. He'll be four months on the 8th. And he's starting to tease. He's a jolly little fellow, but he's, he gets cranky when his teeth are bothering him. Yeah, we all were cranky when our teeth were bothering him. <laughs> And you're enjoying fatherhood? Very much so, yes. Yes, indeed. That's a neat challenge. Not unlike some of the challenges you face uh, with people with dementia. That is very true. That's a parallel that a lot of people notice, you know, that that, that need for a lot of support and a lot of love and a, a lot of prompting and how to get through life. What kind of support do you provide the families that are there? Do you have support groups or education sessions for the families so that they can learn a little bit more about the disease? Um, well, there is a local community support group that um, someone else at our facility helps mentor. So there's that in the community. In our facility itself, um, we have a case manager. So if anybody has concerns about you know, the care of their loved one or they're struggling with some aspect of the, the journey, the case manager is like a referral resource we have. And, of course, the nurses on the floor, all of them, not just me, whenever they're residents, family member has a concern about like mom's acting a little different today is something wrong the nurses are always there to offer a lot of support saying yeah we're checking things out um she's doing just a normal progression of the disease or sometimes they say we got uh we got an order for a urine check on her and yes she has a uti we got antibiotics started but the nurses are like an ongoing support we have a nurse station where it has an open top to the door it's like a bike double door and the bottom shut tops open you always have resident family members come and stop by, lean the door and saying, so how's my mom doing? He kind of talked to whatever concerns they have for the day. Well, Rundy, thank you very much for joining us on Take 10. Uh, we'd enjoyed it so much. Can you come with us on next week's Take 10? I would love to. Well, stay tuned. We will talk to you again in, a, in, in just a short while. I'm Ron Aaron along with Tina Smith. Rundy Purdy, our Take 10 guest on 930 AM, The Answer. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS on air presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Email suggestions and comments on this radio program to radio at wellmed.net and join your hosts Ron Aaron and Carol Zerniel for another edition of Caregiver SOS On Air on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.